Welcome to the New York City Parks COVID Oral History Project podcast. Our subject is the history of the COVID-19 pandemic and the response and activities of New York City Parks. Our hosts are Diana Baker and Kevin Fitzpatrick. This is episode number six, Quarantine Ends and Park Use Begins. Hello, Kevin. We are back in historic Williamsburg, Brooklyn at McCarran Play Center in the Media Education Lab. Our team is using the Media Lab to share our history with listeners, presenting some of the more than 100 interviews conducted last year about the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, our guests are former New York City Parks Commissioner Mitchell Silver, Senior Outreach Coordinator for Partnerships for Parks, Sarah Baral. Deputy Commissioner for Urban Park Service and Public Programs, Margaret Nelson, and Deputy Chief of Operations for Queens, Phil Sparacio. Hi, Diana, and hello to all of our new listeners and subscribers. We're at the halfway mark in our series, and we're going to follow up with our last episode about New Yorkers' relationship with parks and open space. The last show was about everything from barbershops and weddings in parks to mountains of trash piling up but also about the human element and the need for open space. Yeah, as I was writing this episode, I walked out of the arsenal to grab lunch and saw a couple heading into Central Park with a photographer for their wedding photos. What I see when I'm visiting parks is just joy. I see people just enjoying themselves. I see little kids learning how to ride bikes. I see people jogging to maintain their health. I see people just enjoying the sun. I see squirrels and birds enjoying the parks. It just seems like everyone is enjoying the space. During the pandemic, I saw in parks people just trying to maintain their sanity. I saw people just trying to feel the sun on their faces, enjoy a space where they could kind of relax. It was not a very relaxing time. But the parks were a relaxing place, and so I saw people enjoying that. Like you, I have very strong memories of being in two places during the worst part of the pandemic. In Riverside Park, at the Soldiers and Sailors Memorial on West 90th, there was a teenager with an iPad set up, and he was doing squat thrusts over and over. And as I passed him and saw his screen, there were the little Zoom windows with 10 or more other kids on it. And the other was, after it reopened, um, up in the Bronx Woodlawn Cemetery, I saw a lot of walkers and parents pushing baby strollers. And that's what our show is about today, the transformative feeling you get being in an open space. And it doesn't need to be, you know, river views or gravestones. Just going to a park or playground changes you. Parks were so essential to us during the pandemic, which is now a recurring theme of our show. But we do see it every day when we visit or pass a park, playground, beach, or a recreation center. Do we take them for granted? Uh, When we see the logo with the leaf, that's a beacon for us to come and explore. Our first interview today is with Sarah Baral, who at the time was a senior outreach coordinator for Partnerships for Parks, covering a huge section of Queens. This puts her in parks across the borough, meeting neighborhood volunteers in their neighborhoods. She was asked why she wanted to go into the parks field. Escape. Uh, I want. I have my master's degree in parks recreation, tourism management. Uh, it's a way to recreate yourself. Uh, when people think of parks and recreation, they think it's just kind of fun and games. But I think even before the pandemic, I said, you know, it's a, it's a tool 
to improve your, your wellness, your well-being, not only for the individual, for the community, physically, socially, um, economically, like spiritually. Um, and I think that because of the pandemic, people finally saw that. And um, I like to say that I want to make uh, leisure legit. It's fun to, to plant trees and, and play soccer, but I think people are now understanding that it's more than just play and play is important. Um, when did, um, what is Partnership for Parks? It's a great question. <laughs> Partnerships for Parks is a joint program of New York City Department of Parks and Recreation and the nonprofit City Parks Foundation. So we're a public private sector. Um, and we are here to champion local stewards. Uh, my role as an outreach coordinator is to be basically a community connector to support community groups, jack of all trades, uh, any person, elected official, organization who wants to get involved in their park, we're the ones to help them facilitate that. Um, the bulk of my job is to kind of help grow individuals to become groups and local stewards and uh, advocates for their parks. And that can look a, a completely a lot of different ways for different needs of the parks and needs of the community and, and needs of, of park staff. So it's constantly um, identifying needs and solutions with, with a, a lot of stakeholders. Is there something that really sticks in your mind about that era? Were you engaging with the public at all? Um, kind of with, with that with that group in, in Sunnyside, Friends of Noonan, having that, that first... Um, it's my park project, uh, probably almost like a year ago, like to the month. Um, I was excited to be out there and, and also to be a, a brand new group where I've, I've been communicating with this person for a couple months. And I said, all right, I think the parks are finally open. And we've been talking about it. And, you know, I've, she was already talking to her local elected officials. And that's, how, that's what you're supposed to do with your, when you're a group. Um, to, that's how you get money. <laughs> for your parks and that's how you we encourage people to network not only with their elected officials but also with local organizations and she was doing that she was doing a fantastic job so I was so excited to finally implement like this toolkit where I'm going to deliver this to you and I'm, I'm going to show you in person like this is how we conduct our our projects our cleanups and how you how you learn about like the park staff and and um how we build those relationships from Queens we go to Manhattan to the arsenal in Central Park to meet senior leaders who recall the days of the pandemic and what that meant to parks. Deputy Commissioner for Urban Park Service and Public Programs Margaret Nelson has been with the agency for almost 10 years. She was asked about parks and open space and what that means for communities. You know, I think the mission of the agency to provide um, this public space really kind of creates communities, kind of centers communities, and I feel like when I came in with uh, Mitchell Silver, who has a planning background, so he's not a park, he didn't have a parks background, he had more of a planning background. I had more also of an economic development background, and so I, I felt strongly that kind of parks really create communities and anchor communities, and that, that role they play in communities was important. Um, I'm also somebody who spends a lot of time outdoors. You know, I was a lifeguard, I do a lot of biking, I'm running, kayaking, um, I just, you know, hiking, and so that ability to give people access to uh, good open space and natural areas, I think, is really important to mental health um, and people's physical health. What was it like coming through the park to come here? Well, I, I think what was 
I think what we all felt like was that our parks were more used and more valued than ever during COVID um, because they were one of the only places people could be, right? So I lived near Prospect Park. You know, I would run in Prospect Park. I would bike in Prospect Park. Um, I would, I actually did a lot of, you know, on the weekends, outdoor activities with, you know, people because that was what you could do instead of doing things inside. Also feeling like people, we had such a responsibility because we were providing these public spaces, but we were also trying to have people not stay, they should stay six feet apart, right? The six feet apart signs, right? Like people were out there and it's like, you want them to be outside, but this is before we knew how much better it was to be outside than inside. Is like, you still need to keep six, six, six feet apart, like enjoy our park, but keep six feet apart. Um, and I think as that became clear that being outside was much better than being inside, those restrictions kind of eased. We felt more centered, I hope, as an agency, as folks who work for this agency, feeling more valued by the city for the work that we do. Deputy Commissioner Nelson worked closely with former Parks Commissioner Mitchell Silver. He served New York City from 2014 to 2021. He returned to the private sector and now works in Raleigh, North Carolina as one of the nation's top experts in urban planning. But he returns to the city often, and when he comes back to the arsenal in Central Park to talk about how important parks are in New York and the pandemic era under his tenure, he was reflective about his experiences with the agency. You're one of the few people that can say what it feels like to cut the ribbon on a playground. Yes. Or something. What, is, what does that feel like? That's what got me up every day. I'll try not to get too emotional, but I've seen some of these spaces in some of these neighborhoods. I grew up in New York. And I'll share the story and I'll try not to get emotional but we had a lot of asphalt playgrounds and our equity initiative with placemaking, we wanted to convert it from a playground to a playground plus. The community parks initiative focused on parks that hadn't seen investment over two decades. There was this one particular playground in Brooklyn where we converted it, uh, beautiful from the typical asphalt to synthetic turf, running track, lots of plants, trees, play equipment, and a little boy Hispanic on the day we were cutting a ribbon would not come into the park, wouldn't come in. So I had one of my staff members go up to him and say, you know, our ribbon cuttings are big events. I mean, we have balloons, we have food or at least snacks and it's a big event, but he wouldn't come in. So when I asked the boy about eight years old, why wouldn't you come in? But he didn't know how much it cost. Because it was that nice, he thought he had to pay. And when I think, growing up as I did, that he didn't see anything like that in his neighborhood, and he thought, that's something I'd have to pay, and to know it was free, and when he ran in with his father, <laughs> was just running on the synthetic turf with him, knowing the full impact of how will his childhood change, how will the kids in that neighborhood change, that now they have a quality space they can call their own. Someone else also heard you say the parks are sanctuaries of sanity. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, that really came to me during COVID. I would take a walk every day at lunch. That's what I did here. That was my reset. Staff knows I had a pair of sneakers. I don't care. Rain, snow, whatever. I had the gear. I would take a walk. 
every day. COVID was a little bit different because there weren't many people and walking in the park. And I remember maybe early April, there's a walk where you come in around 63rd and I watched them come in and they came over Fifth Avenue and you saw the anxiety literally drip off of them like sweat. They're off the street and they're just comforted by this green oasis. And as COVID went on, I've watched people in parks. It was quieter when spring came, taking pictures of every flower. You just see their demeanor change during this time when people were terrified to walk three feet with one another. There was something about a park that really helped save their mental health. And so from my perspective, in the height of COVID, they became our sanctuaries of sanity. It was the only place that you could feel alive. You didn't feel safe even walking on the street. You know, it was the only place you felt you could be alive during COVID. And that's when I knew, I told my staff, I told them, you are protecting these sanctuaries. This is where people are coming. It became their office, baby shower. It became everything. This was it. People socially distanced, but this was it. And, and, and who knew these things where people says, oh, parks, you know, nice things to have. No, they became essential to people's sanity in New York. If our parks were closed in some neighborhoods, they were because they were basketball courts. We had to go to streets, but the parks, to be in a beautiful, on the comfort of a tree in this beautiful green oasis where there's no cars, just nature. Yeah, they became our sanctuaries of sanity. One of my favorite memories of the project was going to Kew Gardens to the Overlook Building and being ushered into the office of Phil Sparacio, the longtime Deputy Chief of Operations for Queens. It's an office lined with his 40 years of memorabilia and awards earned in the agency, which he joined in 1984, the same year the first Mac came out. He spoke at length about working, being sick, and how parks in Queens were used during the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely, places that used to be lightly utilized, suddenly getting overutilized. The popular places were, you know, the, the attendance probably doubled in many cases and probably in some just absolutely tripled. Large parks like Flushing Meadow, the boardwalk in the Rockaways, uh, people just, you know, gravitated out there for the fresh air. Uh, we did close a couple of streets to give the public more. We have Shaw Boulevard up in uh, Astoria. We have uh, a couple of blocks right here in and around Forest Park that we close the vehicular traffic to give people more places to walk, recreate, and have some passive time. And then just unfortunately, there are those who will abuse it. What is something you would want to say for the historical record to be read further down the road that you've an eyewitness to? It's probably the second or third most impactful thing on my professional and personal life. I never anticipated a virus, the, something you know that you think about the flu or, or the common cold or something else, pretty much affecting the world's economy, finances, businesses, I, numerous. I mean, I, I stopped looking at some point the businesses that were forced to close during COVID. You know, we learned something about outdoor dining. Nobody would have thought like that you want to sit down and, and, and go to a, a, you know, a New York quality steakhouse and you're sitting on a picnic table 
in the middle of Bell Boulevard. And the buses are going by and the trucks are going by. But the only way you're going to get to eat in that restaurant during COVID was sit on a picnic table. You know, my wife and I still to this day have this list of restaurants that we frequent that it's exclusively outdoor dining. Not something I expected to have such a dramatic impact. I, you can understand the impacts of Pearl Harbor, the trade tower coming down. Uh, things that after the fact you understood the magnitude of it. Even a year into COVID, the magnitude wasn't so evident. We look at those single events as historic moments, but COVID was a historic era that we lived through. I really feel like this episode, we got almost a full city tour as we reviewed parks and open space. It does point to the historic nature of the project to capture stories from every division of parks at many levels. Yes, and as we go along on this journey together, we'll hear stories from entry-level staff all the way up to the top. I really look forward to our next show. Yes, our next show is all set in Washington Square Park. Thanks for listening to our show. Thanks, everyone, for the support and feedback this podcast gets. Thank you for listening to the New York City Parks or History Project podcast. It is produced by New York City Parks Media Education. Our hosts are Diana Baker and Kevin Fitzpatrick. Our producer is Igosa Ogbo, and our sound engineer is Eddie Hall. Our executive producer is Joy Wang. Original theme music, A Stroll in the Park, is composed and performed by Brett Meany, and the show's sound bed audio is composed by Shaquem Hill-Wasse. I am announcer, Zach Lella. On our next episode, we will visit Washington Square Park, one of the most famous parks in the city, to hear from the staff about what they saw during the pandemic. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And please, like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends and family. See you in the parks.